Hi, this is Steve Thompson. Yesterday in our reading, we were with Peter and John as they stood before the religious authorities, defending themselves for having performed a miracle. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living in a climate where you get to see God show up through you in an unprecedented way, and the people who are supposed to be in charge arrest you leave you in prison overnight, and then aggressively, accusingly question how you have any business doing something miraculous. I'm sure that reality is too foreign for us to put ourselves even into that scenario. But let's check together at how they responded upon being released from the threat of flogging, or worse, if they continue to talk about Jesus as the Messiah. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us again today as we read through your word? What would you like to show us? This is Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, wait, weren't they already filled with the Holy Spirit back in chapter 1? What happened? Where did the Spirit go? Now, I just want to briefly touch on this point. When you give your life to Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do anything more. There's nothing more that needs to happen. The Spirit lives in you. But there's two principles that I think we can see in Scripture. The first one is that we're encouraged to continue being filled with the Spirit. So, life in the Spirit, as it's called, is all about putting ourselves continually in a place to listen to and follow the Spirit's leading. Here's the second principle. The Holy Spirit comes on people in power for certain tasks or situations, empowering them to do supernaturally more than they could have done on their own. 
And we see this repeatedly in Scripture. That is what's happening here. It's a direct response to the believer's prayer and request for boldness. And God gives them exactly what they need to do to do exactly what he asked them to do. So this brings me to what struck me about this passage. What do you do when you feel like the whole world is against you? How do you react when you see the evil and brokenness of our social and political systems that keep people down and out and helpless and afraid? What do you do in the face of moral evil, like senseless violence, ranging from ISIS and terrorism to rape and murder? What do you do when work is beating you down? What do you do when you feel like your family is against you? How do you handle people who believe differently than you and treat you unfairly? These first followers of Jesus were facing dangerous opposition precisely because they were sharing the joyful, life-giving, good news of God revealed in Jesus. We haven't had that opportunity yet, but we still face opposition. But it's how we face it that needs to reflect the same realities, the same beliefs that they had that spurred them to act the way they did. So here are just a couple of things that I see in how and why the disciples responded the way they did. The first is, they found themselves in the well-worn path of all those faithful followers who had gone before. This was nothing new. The powers that be always align themselves against the power and purposes of God because it's a threat to how they want life to go. It's a threat to their control. And so they pray scripture to affirm their belief and trust that God is ultimately in control. And these things, these people, these powers wouldn't have any power if God didn't allow it. And actually, he's limiting the extent of the chaos and corruption that they can wreak on the earth. If you can even imagine more craziness and evil. Here's the second thing. They recognized that the problem was spiritual, not the people they were running into. Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 says it like this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against unseen powers and evil spirits. And if it's a spiritual problem, then there's a spiritual solution. So prayer is the most natural and the most effective response one could have. Anytime you come up against evil or oppression or injustice or even relational ugliness, start with prayer. Go to the one who alone has the power to do something about it. And then the final observation is that they asked for the courage and ability to keep doing what they were already doing. I mean, they could have asked God to strike the opposition down or at least have some disastrous car accident uh, or donkey accident, you know? Or they could have asked God for the persecution to stop and for the powers that be to get distracted by bigger fish to fry. Or they could have asked that God grab a hold of their hearts and lead them to a life-changing encounter with the risen Jesus. 
that's probably how I would have prayed, actually. And so I don't, I don't think any of these prayers would have been wrong. But the one that they chose is help us to keep doing exactly what the authorities told us to stop doing. Because what they told us to stop doing is exactly what Jesus told us to do. Oh, and please continue showing up like you have with miraculous power and healing signs. Amen. That was their prayer. So as you go about life, where are you coming up against opposition and antagonism? Remember that this is a well-worn path that Jesus told us we could expect. Recognize that the problem isn't what appears on the surface. It's a spiritual battle. And run to your knees and ask God to continue faithfully bringing Jesus to that situation or relationship through you. Oh, and yeah, please God, we need you to show up big time. Why don't we just pray that way together to close out our time? Father God, whatever opposition any of us right now might be facing in life, first of all, we just shake our heads at why, why people just refuse to do things in a way that aligns with you and your kingdom and the way you created things to be. But as that's the reality, Father, we recognize that it's not them, but there's a spiritual battle going on. And so we call out to you. We ask you to again fill us with your spirit, maybe even in the same way that you filled those first disciples, so that we can have the boldness to bring Jesus to whatever situation or opposition or tension that we're running up against that we can speak Jesus and healing and love and redemption and truth into that situation and that we can be those things as well God give us a heart of compassion and the words to say and oh yeah God please continue to send down your miraculous powers and your healing signs we love to see your kingdom breaking in, your kingdom reality breaking into this distorted and chaotic reality. Bring it crashing in and use us in whatever way possible. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.